discussion um i hope everybody did listen to part one it was a really good show uh it takes a lot for me to like feel good about our stuff but i listened to that one i was like yeah it's a damn good show um it's also it's another late night recording here so god help you all a long history of late night recordings the the weirdest episodes are always the late night recording grim fandango and life is strange went well into the night yeah grim fandango (laughs) was the like we're all confused and messed up. Life is strange. We all have emotions all of a sudden. So who knows where this is going, boys and girls. But sitting here with my co-host, Michael. Michael, how are things going? Things are going really good. Michael, we had a great week last week for listens. We really um, did. I think it was another record-setting uh, performance there. We're having a, just continuing to see the numbers jump and jump and jump. And I uh, really appreciate that because... Obviously, the more we see the numbers go, the more we get feedback from all you guys, the uh, the better, so we know what we can continue to do to grow this show. But I have a problem, Michael. What's the problem? Everything's was, good. No, 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 things are not good. <laughs> Usually, before the show, I do a breakdown of what we're going to talk about, but I left this part out, Michael. Why is that? There were shenanigans on the reviews. What? Who would do such a thing? All right, so we don't we don't push the reviews a lot. We should push them more because they do help the show. So if you would like to leave a review or a five star, you know, ranking, that's always very nice, and we really would appreciate it. But somebody, some listener, somebody who I feel like you might know, Michael. Who would that be? I don't know who it is, but here's the thing. Somebody put their review, five-star review. Thank you, by the way, for the five-star review. Thank you. But I feel like that Michael guy sounds hot. This is bullshit. (laughs) All right? I didn't start a ranking battle here. I didn't try to claim the listeners. But all of a sudden, now I I feel like I need to defend myself. All right? So. Random geek girl, thank you for the review, by the way. Yeah, yeah, thank you wonderful job now i don't feel self-conscious at all so i am calling upon all three of the eric defense force to get on there leave a review i'm not vain enough to have to say that i'm hot you can just leave a five-star review saying state of the save is your favorite podcast are you implying that i or someone i know very deeply is wrote this review I feel like we we had a sanctity of the reviews, and now it's corrupted. And now that it's corrupted, kind of like the corruption inside Resident Evil 7. See, I'm keeping it on topic. Because not only am I a good-looking host, I'm also a quality host. Um, now that the, the cat's out of the bag, we got to go full force. <laughs> so I'm calling all the listeners. Go out there. Leave us uh, five-star reviews on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your uh, podcast. Leave a review. Because not only does it make us feel good, not only does it me and Michael fight over who's the hotter one, but also it helps promote the show and it gets more people listening, which, Michael, we can put aside our differences here. Do you want me to break kayfabe for a minute and talk about the story behind this review? No, no, I don't want to break kayfabe. (laughs) We're going to keep kayfabe here because we're going to hope that kayfabe leads to more people reviewing the show. Um, I mean, who is this mystery woman? Who is this mystery woman? (laughs) 
my wife will probably not be happy about this. No. She, she definitely didn't write this. No, not at all. No, not at all. No. You know, I, my, fa- <laughs> my favorite thing. Here, we'll, okay, we'll break kayfabe a little bit. My wife saw that and did not go and add anything about me. She just went, huh, and just kept going. So <laughs> I feel pretty bad about myself now. So if a random listener would like to take the place and help me out, that would be appreciated. <laughs> but that's enough talk about kayfabe reviews. Um, that's that's why you come here. Yeah, you come here for the the banter. Uh, we have a new social media. Woo! At State of the Save on Instagram. We are not Michael. Are we good at social media? No, uh, I'm trying. You're trying, Michael. Michael is better at social media than I do. Any good posts that you see or anything on social media, that's Michael. I I would just be like, hey guys, what's up? Please like and subscribe. That would be all you would get for like every day. But um. We we're gonna we started an Instagram already doing better than the Twiddle. Um, what does that say about Twitter or me in general? I think I think that Twitter is just where people go to yell at each other now. But um, we did have some success on the TikTok. The Zoomers liked us for a little while and then they got bored of us. <laughs> but uh, I just post more Spider Man clips. That seems to do well. <laughs> yeah, hey, go on there, uh, join up, follow us. Uh, we're trying to get this thing going. I can tell you, 90% of our listeners, a lot more than that, do not follow us on social media, but listen consistently. So if you're one of those people, hop on there. Uh, let's try to keep uh, get this uh, this crazy thing they talk about, about like social interaction that we're all supposed to have. So the more you jump on there, let's try to get this thing going. If, uh, if y'all do a good enough job, maybe me and Michael will actually like post a photo y'all can rank us on who's hot or whatever whatever i'm desperate here guys we gotta get to, i gotta get a review i can't let him go out there like this um but stay the same at instagram stay the same on twitter if you really want to be on there stay the same on uh uh tiktok and then stay to the save at gmail.com that's where we'll read your emails like our buddy austin last uh last week um off the top, Michael, before we jump into this craziness of this Resident Evil 7 show, um, what other video games have you been playing that have not made you, like, scared of the dark? I am at the final boss of Persona 5 before we get into the third semester of Persona 5 Royal, and uh, that boss is uh, quite an endeavor. There is no way to like refill your power meter before going in and take the final boss so unless you were proactive and have a bunch of items to help you with that i do not so i'll see how this goes i might need to drop the difficulty for this final boss so there's no like resident evil like here's a bunch of shotgun shells before you go into the boss you get one healing item for your party Persona 5 don't play. <laughs> Persona 5's like, listen, get good, I'm, bro. I'm like, I have a, I, I have abilities that'll heal my entire party. And it's like, well, you did it. Good job. You're ready to go. I'm like, what? No. It's like, <laughs> I was trying to save those for later. Um, I, I, am, I am more excited for you to finish Persona 5 than I think you are. Just because I want you to say on the show, I'm done with Persona 5. And then I play Persona 5 Strikers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> And Persona 5, uh, Dancing in Starlight. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? This is our Persona 5 show, everybody. Welcome to State of Persona. <laughs> Other than Persona, what have you been playing? I finally got back around to this week, uh, finishing Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, I've, I am so 
looking forward to when I get my hands on one of those PlayStation 5s to play that one with my new fancy TV. Man, what what a game. What a charming little game that is. You know, that's an Insomniac joint, right? Yes. You know, Insomniac is one of those developers that I forget how good they are until I look back on their like pedigree. Like, they've got some freaking classic freaking classic games man did you see the state of play or like some clips of it going around of the new ratchet and clank game it looks freaking good there's level changes during boss fights and i'm like this is awesome you know the ratchet and clank games are like really underrated about how good they are i was a jack and daxter guy you know you you either like jack and daxter or you like ratchet and clank i was jack and daxter see i like ratchet and clank um that and sly cooper I was a big fan of the, the Sly ne- series. I never played a Sly Cooper. I think I would like those games. I think but... that I really remember enjoying those. But Ratchet and Clank, man, almost all of those are really, really good. Even like the PSP ones were really good. Like that's a series that I think people kind of forget. And then they did that Resistance Fall of Man series that is better than it probably should have been. Was that Insomniac? I think that's Insomniac, wasn't it? Why you check that thing called the internet, I'm going to continue to dig a hole here and say it was Insomniac. Because I kind of remember that one of the big things they talked about was they were still kind of bringing the crazy weapon designs of Ratchet and Clank and trying to make them grounded. That is Insomniac. Yeah. If you play those... Oh, I was thinking Gorilla. They did Killzone. They did Killzone at the same time. That was the two big Sony shooters on the PS3 and PS2. Well, PS2 for Killzone and then PS3 was uh, Resistance. Resistance. But that series is better than it should be. Um, I think it fell off on the third one, but the first two are actually not that bad. Hmm. But um, yeah, Insomniac, man. uh, Sunset Overdrive was was like a blueprint for what Spider-Man would be. And um, also a really funny game too. <laughs> now you played? Did you play the first Spider Man? Did you just play Miles? I played the first Spider Man. That is why I got a PS Five because it's like, hey, you want to play Spider Man Remastered? And I did. I ate that game up. I played that nonstop for about forty hours, and then I jumped into Miles Morales and was like, I need a break from Spider Man. So I took a break from Spider Man. Then after a month, I came back and I finally finished Miles Morales. And man, what a good game! What a charming spider-man game miles morales is a great character and it doesn't overstay it's welcome it's more short it's more tight you know that's one of the my favorite things about like i actually the older i've gotten the more i appreciate smaller games the 10 hour Um, game yeah like (laughs) dude a a solid 10 hour game that keeps throwing new and cool stuff at me Mm -hmm. it's so much more interesting to me now than a 40 hour open like i never play the assassin's creeds anymore because it's like here's a 90 hour video game and it's like dude i just don't want to i don't have the time commitment what's like, a 90 hour video game like never heard of one yeah I, uh, <laughs> it's still sitting on like a 200 hour persona 5 and wanting to go play the dancing sequel <laughs> man um <laughs> freaking you can- you can play that in bursts, like hour-long bursts. So it's or, like, okay, yeah. yeah, that makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, yeah, it's solid ten minutes, man. Uh, which one did you like more? Just uh, the Mouse, or did you like the Peter one? Um, probably base Spider-Man, just because it was my first time. because uh, I didn't have a PS4, so going into Spider-Man Remastered, and that was my first experience with the PS5. So turning on that 60 frames per second with the ray tracing mode and seeing a game look that good just had me floored. 
And then going to Miles Morales and seeing like everything, just standing in street lights with the different suits and seeing like the spider symbol, you can tell it's a different like material because you'll see the street light in real time reflect off the spider logo. I would call my wife in and go, come here, you need to see this. Look at the street light reflecting off the spider. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, like that game, that game is such a, like, that's the next like big thing that drew me to getting a PlayStation 5. Like, I was looking at God of War, and I was like, yeah, I gotta get into God of War again. I gotta get into, like, a Horizon Zero Dawn and all that stuff. But I started playing dude, God of War, and then I was like, ooh, when Eric gets a... Now I'm finding myself stopping games because I'm like, I kind of want to save this for Yeah, the I show. do the same thing. So, like, I always get, like, an hour in. So I got an hour into God of War, and I'm like, this is really good. I was like, ooh, if Eric gets a PS5 or a PS4 or something, like, I, not, need, I need to save this. We're going to do God of War, I think, for the show. It's a story about a father and son. It's a It's the Mandalorian. <laughs> and I'm a sucker for a parent story, man. So we're going to do a, we're gonna do that game. We'll have to. And I also am a sucker for Norse mythology stuff. That is your uh, game. Yeah, I love <laughs> That is we, your game. Um. Random plug here about Norse mythology. Uh, Neil Gaiman did Norse mythology, like his version of it. If you ever want a cool book, read that book. This is a late night show, people. I'm just going to be throwing out random stuff. Get used to it. Um, but yeah, I, I need, we're going to do that for the show for sure. Um, I'm going to be real quick with the game I've been playing other than Resident Evil because I know it's not usually everybody's thing. But uh, MLB The Show came out uh, 2021. Uh, I don't play a lot of uh, baseball games or anything like that. I kind of downloaded this just because I wanted to see a Sony logo pop up on my Xbox. It's so weird, man. It's so strange. I showed you. You were at the house. I was like, look at this. And I brought it up. I was like, look at that Sony logo right there. I love that the that it's just when they show the Sony logo and it's the games reflecting off, it's just baseball. Yeah, like they can, yeah. I was like, that's the opportune time for Sony to be like, look at all these games you could be playing. Microsoft put a <laughs> stick in the sand there. They're like, like hell, you're going to put all your games on this. Thing. We're not going to run a teaser for the PlayStation 5 on our system. It should have been the Astro's Playroom where it was just pictures of a cute little robot just running around like, wee! We still would have been an advertisement for the PlayStation Well, Yeah, but that would have been... Or Astro a, playing baseball. That's yeah, what you need. That'd, be, that'd cool. be great. That's a, that's a damn good baseball game. Um... I don't know. I haven't played the show series much, but uh, it's a that's a good video game, man. And it's a it it has the customization enough that it can make you make it as arcadey as you want it to be. Uh, one of my big complaints about like modern sports games is a lot of times they get so much into the simulation side of things mm-hmm. that it takes away the fun part of it. Like, oh, you know, you have to ride the puck up on your stick in this exact way to be able to you know make this pass or knock it down in this way and it's like ah okay cool that's fine but i really want to just have a fun hockey experience this game lets you tone it in so you can kind of find the good sweet spot um it's a damn good baseball game so like i said i'm gonna be short with it but if you have any interest in sports games it will be the show it's on Game Pass, which is also insane that this Sony-made video game is on Game Pass. <laughs> but um, it's a it's a damn good baseball game. Also, I love minor league baseball. It has um, all the Triple A and the Double A teams, which to me is a bigger deal than playing as majors. I much rather play as a bunch of Triple uh, A teams. So uh, 
love me some minor league baseball. So it will be the show. That's Eric's uh, sports game talk. I know very little about baseball besides like going to the occasional game and going, cool, baseball. And then that's my experience with it. Most uh, of what I know about baseball, like most kids of the 90s, I learned baseball from video, like the rules of baseball from video games. So it was uh, uh, Tommy Lasorda baseball on the Genesis. And then later it was the reason. I haven't played a show game is because early on I disliked it on principle because right around the time the show got really popular, MLB Slugfest, like, was gone at that point. And Slugfest is a baseball game you can play a Sub-Zero and Scorpion. So I'm like, what are we doing? Is that the NFL Blitz style baseball game? There's a punch button. Yeah, you can punch people. Yes, you can play as clowns and slide into people's junk. It's we need hilarious. more. In, we need more of those kind of football, like baseball games, football games, all that stuff. There was a sweet spot on the PlayStation Two where you had NBA Street, Blitz the League, Blitz the, Blitz league. the league. You Man. had um, like what is it? Like NFL? It, was it NFL Street that was like all the football, but was played on? Like, yeah. Yeah, that was freaking. It was great. like played on like Slugfest. Uh, parks and everything. There was, was all cool. those midway sports games. Yeah, basically. Slugfest, I NHL had, hits, NHL hits. Two thousand two is my jam. Oh, Nether man. Realm, what are we doing? My favorite, my favorite hockey team is the New Jersey Devils, and the reason why is in the NHL the hits two thousand two. I was getting into hockey a lot at that time, and uh, I was just like I was watching it, and around that time the New Jersey Devils were kind of borderline and becoming my favorite team. And then when Hits came out, Scott Stevens was in that game, and you could just send people go flying through the glass and yeah. just like help reinforce my New Jersey Devils fandom that's stuck with me to this day. The play, but, any games where the sports people have health bars is a good game. Yes. Yes. Bring back, in, please, bring back extreme sports games, man. It would fit great as like a $20 game. Like, yeah. put that thing on Game Pass or put it on and there was a $20 the NFL The closest street. thing we got on Game Pass to that is they put NHL 94 on there. Which is actually pretty good. They took out the blood, though. Yeah, they, it's got no blood. Yeah. And it's it's that thing is not exactly what I want because it's a fun little thing to fiddle around with for half an hour. But, like, I would never play a whole season of it. You're Just me. <laughs> oh, hey, man, listen. You're talking to a guy who brought out a Sega Genesis a few years ago to play uh, Tecmo uh, Super NBA Basketball and took us all the way with the Charlotte Hornets. Congratulations so to the I'm Charlotte I'm probably Hornets. the only one who took the Charlotte Hornets all the way, but uh, I did it. Dang uh, it. <laughs> I, I, will, I, did, I did play a few games of uh, Tecmo Bowl on the Nintendo Classic uh, Switch app thing. They take uh, all the team names out, so now it's just Montana and Chicago. Or well, it's just, it's just the names. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like Washington and Oakland. It doesn't have like the Oakland Raiders or anything. You can't say that on here. That's, that's license. It's copyright. License <laughs> the NFL Pro Fo- <laughs> National Football League. All of a sudden, Joe Madden kicks the door. He's like, Who, who's been talking about fucking football? <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. Um, that's enough sports game talk. I know not everybody's into sports games. Uh, I'm with you. Well, I mean, listener. I mean, well, I, I will say this: like the extreme sports games, I think everybody, everybody can play a game of Blitz and have a good time. Um, 
But what, let's talk about what we, let's get into it, man. It's time to get into what we're actually here to talk about. If you skipped ahead from the sports talk, welcome. Now it's the Resident Evil 7 discussion. <laughs> Some guy's like, man, they're still talking about baseball video games. <laughs> but your old men in here being like, back in my day, sports games allowed you to hit home runs with fireballs after them. Um, <laughs> this is, is going to be a weird show. Anyway. Um. Resident Evil 7. We had a ball talking about Resident Evil 7 last week, uh, two weeks ago. And I tell you, this is... First of all, do you remember the Reddit user who uh, gave us the stopping point for this? I can go look it up if you fill time. I'll fill some time. Because that guy gave us the perfect stopping point. Yes, he really um, did. He really he 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 said he played it over a hundred hours. I believe if him. If he did, then he really nailed the exact stopping point. Because I give him a ton of credit. Section feel, none. Section none. Section none on Reddit. You're a freaking hero, man. You did a great job. Um, so we stopped last time as we were entering Lucas's playhouse slash his little bunkle. We had finished the happy birthday tape right before going yes. in to kind of set the tone for the next section. Um, this whole section really feels a lot different it from felt the like, previous section. It felt like I was playing a completely different game. This is, I talked about how, like as a, like a big veteran of the series, the this game didn't feel like a Resident Evil game to me. When you enter Lucas's Playhouse, and then really once you leave Lucas's Playhouse. This is straight up a Resident Evil video game. Like, the whole tanker section and then the salt mines and stuff, that's already, that's a video, that's a Resident Evil game. No questions asked. This game is kind of relatively structured to, relatively similarly structured to Resident Evil 1. Because in 1, half the game is in the house. Then the minute you leave the house and then go to the shack outside the house, it becomes a completely different feel. The only difference is you have to go in Resident Evil 1, you have to go back to the house with all the stuff that you collected so you can, like, go underneath uh, the house for the final section of the game because that leads to the labs and so on and so forth. There's always a halfway point in early Resident Evils that kind of... Well, usually a halfway yeah. point in these early Resident Evils that separates the first half from the second half. The difference is, in those early Resident Evils, it's still very much a horror game. This second half of Resident Evil 7 is an action game with some survival horror elements. Um, you, you you hit it right on the head with the whole separation part. Because like in RE2, you're in the police station for half of it, and then you eventually move to the underground umbrella facility. Mm -hmm. um, RE3 kind of is a little bit more broken up in my mind because you go from the streets of Raccoon City to the power plant thing there's like a little bit more broken up i wouldn't say it's as clear but it's still very much like there was like a halfway point four is four it four does is four is thing. four is just still amazing i would give my definitive resident evil ranking at the end of this show as a fan who's now played one through seven and a couple of the spinoffs um one thing i really liked about this initial we talked about this was going to be solved when we, we said it. Because yeah. after the happy birthday tape, we're like, this is going to be the Saul portion of the game. Um, It was. Kind of. And it wasn't. Yeah. You know, we do have a lot of traps. Those fucking boxes that blow up, man. <laughs> because, especially at the beginning of this, I didn't have a ton of ammunition. 
So I didn't want to just shoot the boxes. So, like, I have been just pulling out my knife and, you know, hitting it with my knife to get into them. At this point, I had so much gunpowder because I was hoarding those gunpowders. I wasn't hoarding ammunition. I was hoarding gunpowders. So I had enough backup ammunition to where I could just shoot the boxes from a safe distance. Um, I mean, I stopped knifing them at a certain point. So I was just like, I'm just going to stand back and shoot them because I, mean, I have plenty of gunpowder. I really wish I did the same thing because I think I made too many of the... Um, I did a lot of stuff with the grenade launcher thinking I was going to need all of those, and I never used the grenade launcher. I barely used the grenade launcher in the game. The only time I did was for uh, the two boss fights in this section. I didn't even use it for either of the boss fights. To be honest with you, once really? I fixed the um, the broken shotgun, which turns it into the it's the double barrel... The double barrel, yeah. Um, this... Over under shotgun. This is a, the probably, in my mind, the best weapon in the game. Um... That's when I really, like I said, I didn't really use much other... And the pistol, the uh, M1911 uh, upgraded pistol, really stays useful throughout the entire game, especially with the uh, enhanced ammunition. You can take out the, the modal guys, no problem with that thing. Um, yeah. When you enter the Lucas's Playhouse stuff, this section is kind of, in my mind, sort of a little bit slow... Until you get into recreating the happy birthday tape. That is an awesome section. Because you have to figure out in your mind, like, okay, you had to play it, like, backwards in your head. Like, how did I die? What went wrong? And it all goes wrong with that stupid clown. So you're like, how do I avoid the clown at all costs? And you're like, oh, I remember the password to get in the room. That's such a freaking smart thing, too. uh... We bragged a lot and i'm gonna brag on this multiple times in my notes i put multiple times how the birthday the tapes are such a smart way of teaching the player um because it does the same thing with uh mia where it teaches you and the mia tape Mm -hmm. but how it teaches you like hey you've seen how this goes and how this plays out now we're going to use that to our advantage to keep us from having to you know fall into the mistakes that the cameraman made so instead of getting the loser ingrained onto your arm, you just remember that's the password. Instead, and you can you fly through that section. And what I like about it so much is, you know, Lucas has been harassing you all the way up to the point. There's a couple of times where he tries to trick you, like at the door, he gives you fake passwords over and over again, and then he triggers a trap. When so if you stand there and you keep talking to him. You're going to get hit by this like swinging blade thing. Oh, I missed that. You didn't do that? <laughs> I didn't do that, no. Okay, when you go to the gate that takes you into the happy birthday section. Yeah, he I know comes he's feeding the... you fake passwords. Yeah, so. but if you keep standing there, eventually it's it's going to have a blade thing come down. Oh. And you're going to get hit. So you can't just keep, there's no, there's no way of, there's no way of walking, faking your way into the room. And the uh, entire section before you get to the happy birthday room is like laced with, there's a lot of tripwire around, so you kind of got to navigate that. And then you get the passcode from the burnt, charred body of the cameraman. Yeah, he you find it. The passcode here. is 1408, which is a great Stephen King reference. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, what movie is that from? 1408. Is that from the movie That's 1408. 1408. <laughs> is that the uh, one about the Kennedy assassination stuff? No, no, no. That's 1122. That's 11, Okay, okay. He likes his numbers. That's the one about the haunted hotel room and Samuel L. Jackson's like, you better stay out of 1408. 
Okay. I've only saw the trailer like once. That's probably not the line. That's probably not. It <laughs> <laughs> probably like yeah, this is motherfucker saying how fucking <laughs> I'm so tired of these fucking snakes. This fucking blind. Um, no, yeah, like I love the tape gimmick. I really do. And the fact that, like, hey, when you find that troll body, you instantly know who that is and what's happened to him. Um, but I really love, and like I said, I know we're skipping some gameplay stuff, but it's really just navigating the little bunkle place. Um, you know, other than, oh, there is one detail I do want to bring up. Uh, there's occasionally times when you watch videotapes and the audio gets desynced from the, 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 the video. Is that something you noticed by chance? I did not notice that at all. On the videotape that you get when you initially go into the bunker, you know, you sit down in a chair in front of like an old TV, mm-hmm. and it plays a tape from Lucas, and the audio about halfway through gets desynced. Hmm. And I didn't notice if that was I, at first. I was like, "Is this my freaking TV messing up?" But nothing else had that happen. So I think it was actually an effect on the the game itself that it's like the audio gets desynced on the tape. That's kind of cool. Which is something that. I wouldn't put it yeah. past this game. Yeah, it's at very all. Well, it's just a little detail I noticed. Um but that whole section is kind of just teaser to when you get into the bunker with the the happy birthday stuff. And yeah, like I knew what was going to happen, but like the initial part where the lights are out and you're just walking through with the cam- the uh, candle until the lights all flick on to you after the candle gets knocked out is just still even though you know what's coming, it's just like it still has the intensity level that they keep up. But when you complete that whole thing without having to play Lucas's game, mm-hmm. my favorite thing is like you can tell it throws him off because he freaks the hell out. Like, And he eventually just throws a piece of dynamite in there and try to kill you. And you just throw it back. Yeah, you just throw it back. <laughs> but what I like about it is like, it makes you wonder, like, how often has Lucas done this? Like, is this, like, just a, a process he does with multiple people? Because you can tell the moment he has a system to it, and the moment that Ethan tricks him and, like, beats the system, he just, like, does not know what the hell to do. Like, you never fight Lucas head-on in the Ethan story. Like, you don't even do, finish off Lucas in this. So, like, the concept that... The moment you f- you best him at the happy birthday stuff, that's your way of beating him. Mm-hmm. That's his boss fight, quote unquote, for this. Um, and it, it was just kind of weird because I thought this was going to follow the formula of Margaret and Jack where you were going to deal with them and then have a big boss fight. Or have a persistent enemy throughout. But right in this entire second half, there's no persistent enemy. No, no. At this all. is no. all. Well, I guess you could say evelyn becomes a persistent enemy maybe she doesn't stalk you though you're like she's the end goal yeah yeah she's the main protagonist but not uh, antagonist antagonist. um but not the you know the the main if you stand around she's not gonna come and kill you yeah you don't have to get chased by her which i think is kind of why this section is a little bit less intense because in the first um playthrough part we're just constantly being chased by margaret or jack or whatever here we don't really have that ever present threat so i feel it's a little bit less intense in this second uh part um but i like that when you best him at that game my favorite one of my favorite sections is you come through the hole in the wall you make into a save room and the computer chair at the monitors is spinning 
when you walk in mm-hmm. like he just got up and bailed <laughs> but like it was such a really like satisfying thing for me to kind of walk in there and be like motherfucker you better run it's yeah, more I'm... satisfying because uh over killing killing like killing jack and uh margaret was satisfying but seeing lucas like lose just was because he's such a smug bastard he really is like he's taunting you this whole game and the point where all of a sudden you're the thing he's scared of this entire game is all about like beating you down with at least the first half beating you down with fear and to the point where it's flipped and all of a sudden like you're the thing he's scared of is so good (laughs) well it's also it fits well into lucas as a character because he's not a guy who can take you on head on like, Ethan, at this point, is actually kind of becoming more competent, right? Like, he's dealt with Jack multiple times. He's dealt with Margaret in big spider form. He'll deal with Jack again. <laughs> He'll deal with Jack again. Um, so, like, you feel like he's getting to be more competent. Um, can you hit the light? We're going to hit the light real quick. It's, it's too dark in here, man. Can't be talking about RE7 in the dark. Do you want me to cut that bit out? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> it's a late night show, people. We, you got to deal with these these things. Um, but, yeah, like it fits Lucas that you have to deal with this insane kind of creepiness. Um, when you best him at that, that game, and that's kind of like his exit from the story. Now, we'll talk about this at the end, but there is a DLC that deals with Lucas. Mm-hmm. And you'll see references from him throughout the rest of this game but uh this comes to kind of like what our main end goal has been since the start of the bunker which is getting to mia and um zoe who were kidnapped by lucas and we did a a little experiment Mm -hmm. and because michael got to this section first michael got to pick how he wanted to do this but before we get into that (laughs) i'm not sore at all about this guys not mad not mad at all. Not mad at all. Stares at co-host. <laughs> I made Eric get the bad ending. I had the bad ending. <laughs> um, we'll talk about this as we go, though. <laughs> uh, when you get to Zoe and Mia, you have collected, obviously, all the stuff Zoe needed to make a serum. Uh, did the game ever really explain how Zoe knew how to make that serum? Um, There is a bit near the end where you um, have the vial... Yes. And it's the it's the thing that make makes it to create the serum. So it's it's just a kit. You have like the pieces you need. You put it in. You put the vial in, and then all of a sudden you have a serum. Yeah. Okay. It's, I guess it's Resident Evil science. Well, I guess also you, the, you put this thing with this thing, and all of a sudden here you get another thing. I guess also it is explained on like the inside the kit mm-hmm. because when you do that serum in the second half, it has like an explanation thing on top of like the case. So I guess it she could have just read that. But when you rescue Mia and you rescue Zoe, you get two vows. One for Mia, one for Zoe. What could possibly go wrong here? Yeah, what could go wrong? And when you're about to uh, minister those two vows... Good old Jack. Freaking Jack shows back up again. And I ain't gonna lie, this actually took me back because I actually thought he was dead. Same. Like, the game has shown us like five times that Jack's not killable and like i had bought into it completely i was like what chainsaw that fool he's dead uh, yeah he can take a bullet to the head but he can't take a chainsaw to the head come on that's crazy he, not only to the head he took a chainsaw to his entire lower half <laughs> and he comes back in like classic 
though how we were talking about RE8, and I had said how everyone's freaking out about Tall Vampire Lady, and I was like, she's just going to be a giant spider monster by the second half of the game. Uh, we finally got to get a couple more classic RE giant monster things, <laughs> and Jack is in like classic Resident Evil big-eyed, morphed-up monster thing. Uh, how did you feel about this boss fight? I I like the premise, but some of those eyes were stuck in such difficult to get to places. I had a hard, like I knew how to beat them, but I had a hard time just getting them in a position to shoot the eyeball. That the last one was difficult for me because it was like on his side next, like had to like find my way like around like those tentacle things to get to it. And that point, I just had pistol ammo, so I was hoping. I was like, please, please, please be the one. And then like on, I only had a couple bullets left and finally nailed it down. So that boss fight was really tense. I really like that fight a lot. I like how it's in multiple stages too, where like it's like you've got the water and then you've got the upper part of the, I guess like the barn or the, the bunker there. He straight up slaps me down like right away Yeah, he, like, into, the, uh, into the lake bit the first time. Well, I think that's like almost like a staged thing that it does that. Oh, but, okay. Because yeah, I think I thought it was just bad. No, I I got hit like that too. I'm pretty sure. Okay. But he will do it again too. He will hit you from the top level and knock you down to the bottom. But it's a cool little concept of like having to bait him up top so you can jump back down and try to get underneath him to shoot the eyes on the bottom of him. He's basically like a slug. But um, pretty much, yeah. In, like, the way the game teaches you how to kill these guys, the Zoe basically yells out towards the end of the boss that you have to stab him with the serum. And then right away you're like, oh no, this is how it's going to go, isn't it? I knew there was no way you were all going to be okay. Now, my theory was, if you remember last time, that I thought Ethan was also infected. Because I said, well, how did Ethan grow his hand back? <laughs> um, or get his hand just like reattached that's never explained it's just never explained staples is all you need <laughs> yeah like i'm still a little sore that no one talked about the fact that they just stapled his hand back on there um that 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 needs some explanation <laughs> um so that was my theory i was like okay he's infected so like he's gonna need one of the serums on himself but uh no use it to finally kill jack and this leads to like the big choice and which my my co-host here picked first. So let's uh, let's go through who we picked here, Michael. Who did you pick? After a little bit of head deliberation, I was just bothered by the fact that I was like, "Why aren't we discussing this?" Like they're all just they're just looking at me with like really sad eyes, and I'm like, "Why can't we talk about this, guys?" There should have been like a conversation. Well, okay, who did you pick? I picked Mia. Of course, you did. And yet, you know what that made me do? You pick Zoe. I had to pick Zoe. And what happens, Michael, when you pick Mia? You get on the boat with Mia. She hugs Zoe and says, I'm sorry, we'll come back for you. And Zoe says, it's too late for me. I, I, will, I will never leave this place. And she's like, I guess I'm stuck here. For I guess I'm destined not to leave. Just to, just to hurt a little bit going like, well, I feel bad for leaving her behind. Okay, you feel bad about leaving her behind. But see, Michael, because... My my friend, you made me pick Zoe. Instead, I, my, my Ethan, stabs the woman he's been talking on the phone for a day to, not the wife that he came all the way to Louisiana after missing for multiple years. 
in which Mia just goes like, seriously? And his excuse is, I'm sorry, she can lead us out of here. I'll come back for you. Like, uh... it makes Ethan look like a freaking dick. <laughs> like, I literally... Now, I'm, uh, there is some other changes, I believe, the... at the ending, I know. Yeah. But, Michael, if... Yeah, like that. That feels like I don't know. Now we did. I did it obviously for the show. Like you know, we'll put the jokes aside. But like, if I was playing through this, I don't know what the appeal of of selecting Zoe would be. A part of me was like trying to figure out how to game the system. I was like, all right, let's figure this out for a bit. I was like, all right, I haven't seen Zoe turn crazy. Mia stabbed me with a screwdriver and cut off my hands. So far, Zoe, who's affected with the same thing, didn't do any of that yet. So I was like, ooh, is, Zo- is there a bit where Mia too- Mia's too far gone and Zoe is actually one who can actually be saved? So I was just going back and forth in my head. Uh, then I was like, well, Zoe did help me get, get out of here and everything. But I was like, Mia's my wife. And so I had to go like with my gut and chose Mia. So I was trying to be like, trying to overthink the decision. I want to say that canonically... Your decision is the like canonical one. That makes sense, depending um, on how this game leaves off, because it leaves off in a space where, um, well, we'll get to. Yeah, I think yours off. is the canonical one. Um, I feel really dissatisfied with how my ending played out, and we'll talk about this. And like, this is jokes aside. Like, I feel like the Zoe choice gives you a less satisfying experience throughout the rest of this game. So. For me, I leave on the boat with Zoe, and Mia stays behind, and she's uh, very upset, obviously. Uh, we get the boat ride that you describe, where Zoe just like talks about like Mia coming to the, the house with a little gar, and the, the family slowly kind of disintegrating into the what they've become, and then you are attacked by Evelyn outside of the the uh tankle ship in which ethan wants to go investigate the tankle ship Mm -hmm. uh which felt weird and then zoe disappears from the story wait so you're playing as ethan during this part wait no let me clarify when you get attacked mia magically pops up at the boat what it's almost what yeah this is why i was saying that it's not a very satisfying choice i oh okay because Zoe is who I leave with. I get the ambush outside the tank will happens, which I imagine happened in yours. Yeah. But then instead of waking up as Zoe or waking up as Ethan, you wake up as Mia at the tankle. You know, Mia, who I just left at the boat, at the boathouse back in the house. Yeah. It feels like Cause... in a game that's giving you a choice, like you have to live with this repercussion. It was like, you have to live with this repercussion until we don't want you to have to live with it, and now it heals Mia again. And it really Voice acting f- is very expensive. We can't have Zoe voice act this entire section. But like, think about it. It wouldn't make any sense for Zoe to be in that section. Mm-hmm. Especially with the birthday. I mean, with the tape. Like, the tape is all about Mia's experience on the boat. Yeah. It makes no sense for this section to be from Zoe's perspective. It's almost like, why give me the choice? Why, why give not me ju- the choice? Or why not just put an instant game over there and like, ha ha ha, you picked a bad choice. Okay, seriously, pick the right choice this time. Almost like, um, what game did that? There was a video game recently that you can... Oh, uh, Katana Zero. 
did oh. that for me. There's a section in which you are there's these two cosmic characters who you having to make a choice, and the uh, the actual game choice is to say no, I'm gonna like take life and you continue the story. But if you die to preserve the safety of this child that you kind of taken under your wing, you die and the game rolls credits and then it says. Well, congratulations, you beat the game, kind of. It gives you achievement for it. And then puts you back at that choice so you can pick the game that continues part. This instead just mm-hmm. goes like, hey, you were a dick and you picked Zoe instead of your wife. But here's the game again. Um, it really bummed me out. because like, I feel bad for thinking. Because I was thinking, oh, there's, this is going to be a really big split. That'd be cool for us to see all of the content. And now I just feel like the gatekeeper. Haha, <laughs> I got the good ending and you didn't. Well, there's one thing I gotta ask you when we get to though. Okay. So we'll maybe there is a change. Okay. Um, Zoe go. Zoe disappears. Like she will not pop back up in my video game, which is really weird. Is, I feel like this is a bad ending. That is very strange. Uh, it's not a bad ending in like I did a, a bad choice. It feels like almost like it's almost like the developer sat there and like nobody's going to pick Zoe <laughs> and they're like if that's the the case don't give me the choice just let Mia be the one who goes with me just make it a cutscene where Ethan gives it to Mia instead of Zoe and let Zoe have a moment like I feel really really weird that this game decides to make this a choice that's a very uh, Japanese game thing too where like it's a relatively false choice like to go back to Persona and Persona 4 there is a bit where you can just say near the end of the game where you do the fake solving of the mystery and you as a character could be like, something doesn't seem right. Or you can just say, oh, we did it. And then it skips to the last semester of the game being, well, we solved the mystery. Bye, guys. <laughs> it's like and, the lazy man option. It's like, kind of oh, like, we can just go home. <laughs> we, we did it, guys. <laughs> it feels really weird. It's, it's uh, a very like Japanese game thing to have, or at least get some Japanese games I played to just have a fake like a non-choice like that but this one feels like all in all it really put me a damper on the experience a little bit because all in all i think this is an extremely well-written video game yeah and i feel like that choice should not have been there and it should just give it to me and let me continue um just my opinion but uh so i wake up as mia do you wake up as mia yes with ethan captured okay this is also a very resident evil thing of you having multiple characters that you play as. This is the B scenario. Yeah, it's the B <laughs> scenario. It's Claire's story or Jill's story or uh, whatever that guy in RE3 Remake's story is. I forget. The guy that. with the cool hair. He's got cool hair. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he's a cool guy. I, I never played 3, so I just know the box art. Well, he's in like, the, he's from... a, you only play him as in the remake. I don't think in 3 you ever actually play as him. In, oh. the, in standard version bummer yeah yeah it's it's yeah remake's pretty cool though um but how did you feel as playing as mia because i actually really enjoyed that i liked it and this is the part where the game kind of becomes well the game is still very much like the first half of resident evil 7 for the first bit of this tanker until you get to the videotape like you're trying to work your way up the stairs to try to find ethan and you are very low on ammunition during this section. It Again, it kind of goes back to feeling more like an adventure game where you're trying to find the pieces to advance forward. You don't even get a gun until way deep into this section. Oh, yeah. This like, section. So the bit that actually feels like really like pressing is 
when you're dealing with this stuff. Last time that the uh, motors are actually scary. <laughs> yeah, because at this point forward, once you kind of... When the game hands you an assault rifle, it does not feel like a horror game anymore for the rest of this Yeah, game. when you get the, the submachine gun, it's not... Yeah, going is the horror game section. Um, are you aware of a video game called Cold Fear? Mm, that sounds familiar, but I can't place it in my mind. Okay, Cold Fear is a PlayStation 2 survival horror game that came out right around the time that Resident Evil 4 came out in which you played as a member of the Coast Guard on a ship and it was basically like a Resident Evil 4 clone but set on this like ship in the Arctic and you played as a guy from the Coast Guard so it was like behind the back and yeah everything? third person wow. it looked like already it was already full clone um and it actually was surprisingly kind of cool um, I remember watch C getting kind of excited about it. It, re- it was like the back cover ad for like every video game magazine for like three months straight, and I rented it, I believe, for the PlayStation Two. And I remember it being kind of damn cool. And now some of this is like Resident Evil Four is my top three favorite video games of all time. So maybe it's just like it's kind of like Resident Evil Four. Spoilers for the list coming up at the well, end. Of this well, video. Who knows? I said top three. Ooh. Oh, who knows? <laughs> um, somebody out there knows. <laughs> but um, this section is very much like it because you're back to like gaining equipment just to get yourself into things and you don't have a gun. Um, weird thing is, Ethan's a blonde. Yeah, that kind of threw me off. <laughs> I, th- I didn't think Ethan was blonde. He didn't look like who I, the, I thought he looked like. Uh, I kind of wish you... Didn't see him as much because, like, I had very much that whole, like, self-insert character thing going in the back of my head. Where I was like... That's why you were complimenting him, like, oh, uh, he's really cool. Yeah, you're like, this, a, he's me. It's just me. It's just me. <laughs> that, that was, was like, a secret guy. all along. <laughs> it was a secret all along. I'm just <laughs> arrogantly thinking, yeah, it's just me. It's cool. <laughs> um, no, but uh, this is when we get into also... It really kind of pulls Evelyn back from being what in the first part of the game was probably the scariest part of it. Like I talked about that shadow that runs across at one point that scared the flip out of me. Yep. Um, When she becomes like a a bio monster, it's not as scary. But this is basically where we learn why Mia was tied to this whole thing. And it really is when it starts doing the info dump of let's explain this entire situation, what happened here. Um, Because there even before this like there's the whole um mystery of like how this uh giant ship get into the middle of this swamp thing yeah and then don't worry you'll figure that out don't you'll figure out the mystery of this game even like before they start uh feeding it to you because once everything connects then you're like oh okay this all which makes is sense. kind of good though to yeah. be honest with you it's it's a more um it's natural you should figure it out Mm-hmm. Like a, a, like I never have a problem with stories that I figure out the ending before the ending because if an ending is logical, a lot of times you'll piece it together. You'll in your piece mind. it together in your own mind. Like one of my favorite uh, Warhammer book series is Eisenhorn, and like a lot of that stuff I figured out before it happens because it just makes logical sense, and that's not a bad story. It just makes sense. Um, when Mia shows up, you basically learn that Evelyn is. A, she is a bioweapon created by 
shadowy organization that probably used to be Umbrella. Uh, one thing this had to remind me of is Umbrella in the lore because Six happened. And they apparently are acknowledging Six. Um, you want to get in some Resident Evil lore, Michael? Uh, they're a private military corporation they're now, now a private military corporation led by chris redfield going no chris redfield is recruited by them for this operation chris redfield is with a biological weapons prevention team that helps it fights in hong kong i think in resident evil 6 so why is he with umbrella because they recruit him for this particular mission and he doesn't really trust him because oh, if you played whoa, whoa, the, I wonder why he doesn't trust Umbrella. But like now, Umbrella's gone legit as a <laughs> private military corporation. That, that's the most legit business. What are you? Yeah, nothing has. <laughs> never bit us in the butt before. Six Asian Fallujah coming out really soon. Oh, gee. I'm gonna play <laughs> that. Moving on, on from that. <laughs> no, we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about that on the show. Um, but we, like, I forgot that Umbrella isn't like a thing that's doing this stuff anymore you know now it's like fallout of umbrella and the shady corporation no one knows what it is um because i was just thinking oh umbrella but then i was like oh yeah crap resident evil 6 happened um <laughs> but this tanker ship was basically transporting evelyn who is a she's a walking bio weapon um she was being transported to the South um, American lab because there was fears of her being grabbed, like snatched by another corporation or organization, mm-hmm. which really was kind of a cool thing because, like, oh, is there, like, some... Were they feared that, like, Umbrella's new organization was coming down on them or something? You know, what was going on there? But Mia... You know, we talked about how Mia kept saying it was a babysitting job, and you said you thought it was a physical babysitting job and i was like no it's a task we're half right we're both right yeah, <laughs> yeah like, pretty much it is a physical babysitting job and a task she's basically the handler for evelyn she to the point where she even calls her mommy and it's like very protective of her well evelyn the game exposes that evelyn has developed an obsession evelyn is not a child which is something the, the game kind of hits at the end mm-hmm. she is a stage of the 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 weapon She's like the fourth stage of this weapon development. So she's not a physical child. And she has a she has developed, contrary to what they thought would happen, obsession with family. And has kind of imprinted the mother role onto Mia. Uh, and Mia was playing along with that because they were kind of... Mia and this other guy was basically playing father and mother to Evelyn to try to help navigate this quest and get her to... A different facility basically um th- i like this section of going through the boat ahead of time and then the tape is a freaking cool part of this game because basically evelyn makes mia watch the tape i guess to try to it's I to catch the pl- it's it's to catch the player up on what happened from a narrative perspective I can't remember what she says. Why she's like she's you like have... you must remember what you did to me. Yeah, like I guess Mia forgot. I I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's just to fill in yeah. the player information. It from a narrative perspective, it doesn't make any sense really at all. But, but this for... section is really really cool. Oh yeah, the ta- it's a long ass section. Like you play as Mia, um, during the events of the ship getting taken down for a long time. But this is when you straight up get an assault rifle. 
This is uh, where the game becomes an action game till from here to the very end, pretty much. You want to know what? Not I a bad, like... not a bad way at all. It's still, no, it's no. still a good game, but. Um, know what feels really weird? What's that? I took me almost to the end of the game to realize that the watch that you wear during the uh, Mio flashback is the watch that Ethan's wearing. Hmm. I didn't realize it because you have a watch during the Mia flashback that is tracking Evelyn's location. Um, it's basically like feet into Evelyn. Oh, and since Ethan, since Mia goes to uh, the homestead, uh, that explains why. Uh, gotcha. Okay. No, when Ethan gets his hand chopped off, yeah, he's coming in and out of consciousness before you wake up at the dinner table. There's a section in which someone stacks that 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 uh, watch onto your arm, so I'm assuming Mia that's does right. it while you're half out. Gotcha. Okay. So, so I wonder if that's the reason. I don't know if that's 100 percent true or not, but like that is the watch that you are wearing, which is why it opens up the case at the end, because it is Mia's like watch that she was using during her operation. Mm-hmm. So. Fun little Easter egg I didn't realize until I got to the end, and when he uses it to open the case, it's like, oh shit, that was Mia's watch. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it shows it to you over and over again during that whole section. I, or you could just assume everybody has these watches because everybody needs to keep track of their heart meter to make sure they don't need any herbs. On like, the, where am I at this morning? Like, it'll beep like an Apple Watch saying, you're low, you need some herbs. Does the Apple Watch have an app that lets you turn it into a Resident Evil watch? Uh, probably. That would be cool. I I imagine so. Yeah, I would. I my would wife actually... my wife has one where if you click it, it's Mickey Mouse telling her her time. That's so not probably... nearly as cool as it being a Resident Evil watch. I, I want that now. <laughs> Make it a Resident Evil. Can we develop an app? <laughs> how how easy is it to develop app? Uh, Michael, is, talking, can we develop an you're app? You're talking to the wrong guy. I have no clue. Anybody wants to get an app business with me, send an email to stateofthesave at gmail.com. We can't call it the Resident Evil app. We'll have to call it like Home Fear app. <laughs> um, it's a development name, guys. We're all working on it. Biohazard with four Zs. Biohazard. <laughs> 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 That's such a dumb name. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there is a video game called Biohazard. 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 <laughs> People hate when we're, I laugh. We're, pa- we're past the tipping point. This is it got. <laughs> it's been a long day, y'all. Much like, much like Resident Evil Seven changes tones. This podcast is changing tones. <laughs> that which is like, hey guys, you want to develop an app? <laughs> um. So. so this whole section was is very classic Resident Evil. You get some new weapons and stuff. I love the bit where it ties to the very beginning of this game where you are now playing as Mia when you get to the recording saying, Hey, Ethan, if you get this message, don't come here. That was such a really good bit. Well, I like it also because like at that point in the story they did they did the 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 job so well of like really showing you like that's the point in the story in which you have successfully, you know, reached your breaking point. Because she's lost control of Evelyn at that point. So you can kind of tell, like, this is it. Like, I, like Mia's probably thinking she's about to die. But also there's cool stuff like, okay, remember the fuse we had to get when we first came onto the boat? Mm-hmm. You pull that fuse from the same box when you come back out of the... Um, the tape and a lot has changed because you can use the um 
I forget what it's called, the 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 inflammatory fluid to like open safes. Yeah, like and then when you go back, those safes uh, that you've used on it are open. Like yeah. you can just miss those, but because it's like a place and time thing, it's like oh, you've already. It's so like you've already opened these. It's like how I said that um, during the first videotape with the the cameraman, you could use a lock pick on something for mm. Ethan. It's just like, and you were saying in Resident Evil Two as well, like you can uh, if you grab the ammo ammo packets in the A campaign. In some cases, they're not there in the B campaign. Well, and like also like in like the remake, especially like the B campaign has different doors opened and stuff because it's like Leon's already been through there or whatever, you know. It just feels like the it makes it a more... Com- time yeah. has passed. This is a single location where time has passed. And, through. like, actions in the past actually mattered and affected the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the tape also because this is, like, when you really get to see Mia is capable because Mia in the first part is just, like, your scared wife who also happens to be possessed. And it's like, no, Mia's like almost like an agent, like a secret agent or something. Like, she's a very capable human being. And, I mean, she's down in motors much more efficient than Ethan is. You know, she's out there with a submachine gun dropping motors left and freaking right. You find out that she, throughout this whole campaign, uh, she's not the damsel in distress. Ethan's the one who needs to be saved. He's the one stuck at this house that she needs to, like, kind of, that her and Zoe kind of have to lead out. Like, Ethan would be screwed without Zoe, and then the second portion, he needs Mia. So, kind of, Ethan's kind of the damsel in distress in Yeah, because, like, line. Mia's trained. Like, you kind of get the feeling, because Mia's, like, starts off this this flashback with a submachine gun. And like, she knows what to do with yeah, it. Yeah, she knows like, what to do, and she's not, like, I don't know, what, she's not acting scared. Like, she's very capable at that part. Now, after the events of the, the boat, she's freaked out, because, of course, she would be. Because she's lost control of the situation. But on the boat during the flashback, she's still kind of like very controlled because it's like we can still stop this. We can salvage this. Like the guy that you're teamed up with, I guess like her partner or whatever. Like there's a lot of conversations like we just gain control of. We'll give Evelyn. And like those your you can read your uh, orders. And like the orders are like maintain Evelyn's composure and keep her you know, there. But if necessary, take her out. And like so, like Mia's kind of a cold-hearted kill. She's like, oh well, uh, time to go to scenario two. Yeah, she's Punk like shotgun or something. Yeah, it's like okay, <laughs> now we're gonna have to kill this freaking bioweapon. Um, and then what I love is when you come out of that flashback, and Evelyn basically is like, she basically uses it as like, hey, now we can be a family. See, we were a family, and Ev- Mia just straight up like, there's no tempting to play along. Mia's like, we are not a family. I will never be your family. You know, you're a monster. <laughs> like, I was like, Mia, come on. This, it's like the there's ring. a safer way to play this. <laughs> it's like the main character's um, uh, character arc in The Ring where she's obsessed with finding a mommy, and she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of, she, she's the kid from The Ring. Pretty which much. I can't be too mad about because, like, the Fear games ripped that off a long time ago. You play the Fear franchise? Uh, as scared as I was the first half of this game, do you think I would voluntarily pick up something called Fear and be like, yeah, this sounds like a good time? There's some stuff that happens in that franchise. I heard some crazy stuff. There's some stuff that happens. I know there's a guy in a military suit and a girl on fire, and that's all I know about Fear. It goes from being about like a little creepy little girl like in the ring uh-huh. to like, she does some stuff. 
There's some stuff in that franchise. It's called Fear. It's not called Sunshine and Rainbows. Yeah, Fear 1 and 2 is actually pretty good video games. Fear 3 is a piece of shit. But, um, but we digress. Uh, then basically after the videotape, you do like a run-through of the whole place. And it does that same thing the videotapes do. I even wrote down my notes somewhere that I was like, hey, once again, the videotapes continue to teach you stuff. You know the layout of the land. You know, you know the layout. You know where everything's at. You know where the fuse you need is because you used it in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, just a freaking great section as you basically are going off to rescue Ethan. Um, really long section. Like one-fourth of – like maybe one-fifth of the game is played as Mia maybe. At the same time, I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about here because it's uh, just a big puzzle box like we've seen before. But it's – very like fun to play like it's it's the classic like i know what i need to do at every moment at the beginning of this is kind of like you don't know immediately you need the fuse you got to kind of figure that out but once you get the fuse everything falls into place it's like i need the fuse okay i need to find more of the fluid things and it was like there's a locked door here so you go through the locked door you find a back way into like the locked door to get the fluid things and then you're uh pretty much set from then on out also, there's a cool puzzle in here with some uh, movements and paintings. Oh, yeah, that was cool. uh, just fun little classic Resident Evil puzzle. I, th- this is a really, there's not a lot to talk and about. And that's where you get the machine gun because you know that, like, you can probably just miss it because it's optional. But at that point in the game, it was like, I know she has a machine gun. The machine gun's here somewhere. I'm yeah. going to find it. I'm going to get me that machine gun. <laughs> um, one thing that I think is kind of cool is. You get to Ethan. We're gonna get. We're gonna kind of jump because, like you said, there's not a lot to talk about here, but it is a good section. Mm-hmm. You rescue Ethan, and you break into like Ethan's little cocoon as you're talking about, um, to you, as you're talking to Evelyn, and then for me, I had to kill Mia. Mia. Okay. Oh, because she was still infected. She was still infected, so she shoves you a little bit. She tells you to run, but there's nowhere for you to go. And she, as Evelyn basically goats her into turning back into like her possessed version. Um, and there's a uh, crowbar, and you have to kill Mia. Did you get the scene with Jack here? Yes. Where, yes, because you have a scene where like Jack talks to you. Like the mode is like intricate. Like, it's like a computer server where everybody's connected and can just communicate with each other. Where it's just like, hey, I'm going to talk to you about what happened. Jack seems like a very nice dude. He's like, hey, hey, your wife came in with this little girl and we thought we'd take care of her and everything. And you're like, ah, Jack's an actual nice guy. Well, he even says, like, (laughs) I ain't a killer boy, you know. Like, his voice tones change, you know. He's just like, I didn't, I never would have wanted to hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you. Yeah, but we had a sick chainsaw fight, right? Didn't we? (laughs) That was cool. That that would be kind of funny. It was like, it was pretty freaking cool, though, wasn't it? Zoe's in the room for me. Was she in the room for you? No. Zoe's in the room and she just walks around the room a little bit. Hmm. Like, as Jack talks. Makes sense because she's still connected to the. Um, she shouldn't be. Mold. At your point in the game, yes, yeah, she should no. be. Because she's. I uh, gave her the thing. You gave her the thing at this point? Zoe. Oh, Zoe Zoe's got, in the room. Yeah, Zoe is. Why is Zoe in the room? She might be. I probably just didn't notice because I was so infixed with Jackson. Jack. Like, because I, no, I was watching her. Because I was so confused at this point, Zoe disappeared from the story, 
And I was like, okay, Zoe's here, but why is she here with Jack? And then I was like, well, both of them were cured. So why is that? It was very confusing why Zoe was there. I, I enjoy this know. section because, one, you get to see Jack who he was. And we talked about that last time, how like you see bits and pieces of the family before this. And you realize like Jack was a Marine. He was a football player in high school. Like This was a human being. And it's like he's talking. He's like he he's a generally seems like a nice guy. And you're like, oh, this is all Evelyn's fault. Um, but Zoe just disappears from this game. Now, did you have to kill Mia? Because Mia wouldn't no. have been possessed with you. What happens is once Ethan gets freed, Evelyn comes and tries to like goat her to turning back, but she can't. So Evelyn pushes you out of the room and locks it and goes, go, I will deal with her. So she, Evelyn or Mia? Uh, Mia throws uh, you out of the room. Okay, okay. Sorry, Dad's misspeak there. Yeah, no, I you apologize. Get, you uh, Mia, Mia throws you out of the room and locks the door and says, go, I will deal with her. You get out of here. And so it's like a moment of sacrifice. They like look at each other and like, uh, all right, I'll, I don't want to leave you, but one of one of us has to get out. And she's already made her decision. She's locked the door and was like, I'm going to deal with this. Your section is so much better because when I get taken out of the cocoon, Mia turns into Psycho Mia and she has a knife. Oh, good. And she's like chasing you being like, did you have a good time with your whore? Because she's talking about Zoe. And like she's stabbing you and it doesn't do hardly any damage. So like I didn't want to I didn't see the crowbar at first. So I was just running around the room trying to get outdoors to run away from Mia. And it wouldn't let me out and I kept getting stabbed but like the damage was so low that like it was weird and I grabbed the crowbar. I finally found the crowbar and I was like, "Oh shit, I got to kill Mia." And I kill Mia and it's such a Ethan in if you pick Zoe, Ethan comes out of this game like an asshole. Like, he comes out like a selfish asshole who was, like, doing everything he could to leave. Mm -hmm. Like, he picked Zoe because Zoe could get him out of there easier because he knew Zoe knew the surrounding area. He kills Mia after Mia goes to hell to save him. And then, like, you leave the room after you kill Mia. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to kill that freaking little bitch. And it's like... Uh, Mia <sighs> says that line to you. She like I'm gonna kill that fucking bitch. No, something. she she says you go and kill her. Oh, okay. Like, you're ending so much fucking better, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, and like, I feel bad for ripping that from you, but you because you being a bigger fan of this franchise than I am, I'm like I stole the. I feel like I stole the good ending from I'm you. A, I'm gonna go watch your ending just so I know what it is. And in my mind, that's the ending. Like in my mind, Mia's surviving is the ending because Absolutely. my ending kind of sucks in that way, and it didn't ruin the game for me. At all, and like, don't like behind the scenes, we were going to do this so we could talk about the different changes, but it definitely is not the canonical ending. No. The canonical ending is saving Mia. Um, when you go out, like, this is when the game goes to like zero to 60 action game. You go like, to the salt mines, and it becomes follow this linear path. I was so freaking mad, dude. I missed one of the antique coins, so I couldn't get the mag 44. Ah. Uh. I was so mad. I had everything else unlocked. I was I missing three by the end of the game, I believe. Also, weird thing is um, you go to the salt mines and it gives you all of Mia's inventory. Yep. Which is kind of odd. Like, now you have all the stuff Mia had. So here's that, the submachine gun. Like, all right, it's the end, end of the game. So uh, no knife. Here's pist pistol, grenade launcher, shotgun, and uh, 
uh, the as I say, the grenade launcher. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, probably did you take the uh, the bottle? Uh, no. Uh, pi- oh, pistol. Uh, pistol assault rifle shotgun grenade launcher. That's the four items. I think I had. I took the grenade launcher, the shotgun, the pistol, and the barnar. Um, gotcha. but at this point, it had so much of that enhanced ammunition for the pistol, like that. That did the job. Like that. That pistol with the enhanced ammunition does a good job. It's almost cathartic because those mold, um, those molders don't like scare you anymore. Well, also there they don't was... like come out of scary places. They come head on at you, so you get that moment of like, especially the climb part when you're going up the like the the mine shaft. You just, they're coming straight at you and you're just gunning them down as it feels like a very redemption moment. The hardest bit during this section was whenever it was two of like the, I don't know if they have a word, but like the, the more brute guys, the, the ones that puke at you. Yeah. When you have like, two of those. It's the, it's the, it's the guy from Left 4 Dead. Yeah. That was the, the, the bloater, I think is what they're calling the Left 4 Dead. I think uh, that's boom, right. boom, because he's, he's a boomer. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a boomer. <laughs> Before that word had different meanings, but yeah, the boomer because he also explodes when you shoot him. Yeah, so uh, that was. Oh, we all talked about during the first half is like we didn't know if the since it doesn't mark if you one hundred percent a room or not if like the game is playing with like inventory or something. I found out it is because I act like an idiot accidentally pinned myself into a corner, like go uh going up the final ascent in, in the salt mines. And there was a bit where you go when there's a crate at the end of it. I turn around and like the three three of the guys are just walking. So it's either throw grenades and blow myself up or try to headshot them. And I missed my headshots, of course, and then died. On the way up, I got assault rifle ammunition. The second time I went up, I got shotgun ammunition. So the game was like, oh, you died during this section. You want to get through it? Okay, here's shot, shotgun ammunition in place of the assault rifle ammunition. That's so, so freaking smart. So I know that the game is... Uh, cheating a little bit by like giving you different ammunition a bit it's like well resident evil 4 actually has like dynamic difficulty and yeah, i feel yeah. like this kind of even though it's not quite the same it's like here's a different type of ammunition because isn't in resident evil 4 like the difficulties is like the kind of enemies that might sprout the little monster heads when you blow them off it's like yes. so if you're doing well they'll throw more of those guys at you than the ones who the won't. encounter rate is higher. Yeah, there's more enemies if you do well. I I, I love that stuff in games. There because... is a game makers toolkit video on the difficulty of Resident Evil Four. I recommend everybody go watch it if you haven't, because just the way they do difficulty in Four is amazing. And there's some little semblance of it here, like the. So that made me go, okay, I can see why they don't have with some of this trickery. I can see why they don't have the 100% things because there might be if you go to a room and it detects you have ammo i don't know for certain but it might throw an ammo your way yeah i might give you an extra little here's a little bit help or if you die or if you die it might go okay here you go because that's the biggest issue in like you shouldn't be able in these games to run around just drop rounds left and right but at the same time you should always feel like you have barely enough supplies to get through it that's the that's that's the balance that's That's the the balance right like i need it like i want to feel like oh shit i have four shots and there's an enemy left, one enemy between me and my next goal, and I have four bullets. Between the the feeling of like I have one bullet and that's not enough to kill an enemy. Like you want to have that perfect, and I imagine it's so freaking hard to do, but you want to have just enough supplies. Lots of playtesting. Oh yeah, and this game, say what you want about the Zoe stuff, and I think that's a misstep. 
This game's still a wonderfully designed video game. One of the best ones I've played in a long time. Um, also, uh, let's just say that Game Maker's Toolkit is a great YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you should all go check him out. He does great work over there. I really, and I'm not like a, um, you know, a designer or anything, but I feel really, really enjoy those kind of those videos and learning like the behind the scenes stuff. It's good stuff. It's so good. Um, this whole section, there's not much to talk about. Um, it's basically the salt mines are where this uh, very linear section is. Like you're making your way through hallways to get it back to the house. It's just a way to like guide you. This an explanation is, to guide you from uh, not taking a boat back from the swamps. It's like, oh, follow this underground tunnel. Also, you have helicopters overhead, and there mm. was some talk on the radio about them searching for you. Mm. Um, and a voice on the radio that we will soon see who that belongs to. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, well, yeah, okay. I was going to say, one. I was ready to get out of the salt mines if you have something else to say then. no uh, well, i was just saying that also you learned that lucas has been walking with the shady organization dun, did dun, you read dun. some of those i flipped through some of them at this point i was like i'm close uh, da, da. Um, <laughs> what, the, what, what's a gaming podcast the, <laughs> the lore the lore stuff in there really made me interested lucas is not crazy hmm. well let me clarify lucas is crazy but he's not infected the way the other ones are that makes sense because he seems different than the others. He's participating in the experiments and stuff that the organization he set up his own little experiments. Oh. So he's not like Jack and Margaret he, that where he's just crazy possessed. He's actually competent. He's on the phone talking to the organization that owns Evelyn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Lucas is scared because Lucas is not Lucas has also been playing into the hands of this corporation. He's walking with them. Gotcha. Lucas is not as crazy as you thought he was. Um, so, Lu- Which plays into my mind. Remember when I talked about in his room? I was like, Lucas was always an asshole. Like, he was always All the second freak. place trophies. Like, he's always going to try to... Yeah, but even in his writings before he quote-unquote got possessed, he was just a jackass. L- Lucas is not... Lucas is not possessed like the other ones are. He's just an asshole. Like, he enjoys this shit, which plays into the DLC we're going to talk about at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you get out of the salt mines, and this is when you have the confrontation with Evelyn in the house. There's a cool... You, you see the wheelchair there, and the old lady's not there. <laughs> I, I, I realized that le- right before, I was like, you know, we never dealt with that old lady. And then, But there's a portion in which, in Lucas's writings, he talks about this. she's just getting old. Because there's also a lot of talk in those writings about Evelyn is not present here. Mm-hmm. It's all hallucinations to low... The process, The idea of this weapon, it's a bioweapon designed to turn enemy combatants onto the enemies that you're fighting. So you take a POW, instead of having to take prisoners and deal with all the cost of having prisoners... We'll get deep into the reasons behind this. <laughs> um, the weapon turns them against their comrades and so you now have basically gained soldiers from your own prisoners that you're taking evelyn's process of doing that is by creating a sense of paranoia and fear so evelyn's not been there this whole time Mm. that little guard doesn't exist in this entire game she's always been that old lady because lucas talks about how she's getting old she's getting she's getting old and because lucas sees her without the the infection because he's not 
you find a photograph same... of the old lady and on the back it says e zero zero and we know the e serum was what made evelyn so the whole time you've been walking by evelyn in that house yep which That's is a really really cool twist great twist we all knew something was up with the old lady but the fact that she's Evelyn the whole time, and it explains why she's sitting weirdly in weird spots and stuff, is a freaking – that's a great twist, man. That's a smart freaking video game decision. Well-written video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the guy who wrote Spec Ops The Line knows what he's doing. Has he? We're going to talk about this afterwards, but I want to know if he's written anything else because he's at the point now I'm kind of like a fan of his walk. Um you break back into the house. There's like a kind of greatest hits of your adventure between you and Mia. You're reliving through visions. Remember when she cut your hand off? <laughs> good yeah, times. Yeah, remember time. she chased you with the chainsaw? The first time she popped up, that got me. Just like when you turn around and she's like there screaming at in your face. I was like, oh my god, this is... Well, when she grabs your hand, where you're, you're approaching in, um, Evelyn. And she does the section where she comes out of the... Um, the closet or the hallway at one point grabs you like Ethan, Ethan, and then she turns possessed all of a sudden. They replay that sequence, mm-hmm. and it got me the same time. This is why Mia living is the canonical ending because this game doesn't make any sense if you don't pick Mia. Um, you get to the end, you stab Evelyn with the needle, which turns her into the old lady form, and then you have a big old classic Resident Evil boss fight. You fight the house. You fight the house, man. And my favorite thing is, you ba- it's really a simple boss fight. You just, it's literally a set piece. I got killed the first time. I don't know why. I think I was trying to play it more dodging when I was just like, oh no, I just opened fire. And I, just think I, had, I think I had the machine gun on me. So I just emptied it. I was just I was using the shotgun because I was like, okay, I probably need to shoot the tentacles coming out of these walls first. I was thinking too much into it. And then I found out, oh. No, just take the assault rifle and just hold down the button. The answer to this boss fight is shoot her in the face. Makes sense. It's very straightforward. Very much. (laughs) No, but I get what you're saying because in all other games, it would be like shooting tentacles and dodge this. And this is just like, kill it. (laughs) I was was ready for like a 10 stage boss fight. I'm like, oh, here we go. And really there's two stages. The second one becomes dead space where you're being held upside down and have to add the grenade launcher at this point. So I was like, she was luring me closer as I was like trying to reload because it won't let you switch when you're hanging upside down. Yeah. You're stuck with whatever you got. So I had the grenade launcher with the neuron rounds, and I'm like, oh, I'm screwed because he was taking forever to reload. But as was she was using... like inching me closer to her mouth, I finally. I think at that point I had ran out of machine gun ammunition and was using the pistol with the enhanced rounds. Gotcha. But it's still a freaking great moment. Um, Any moment where you're being hanged upside down in a horror game is probably a good moment. <laughs> this is a it's a it's the perfect level of what this bar. F- boss fight needed to be and then it has a callback because you hit the ground after she picks you up a bunch and you literally get on the radio use it because you look down they've dropped a weapon for you which is straight out of re2 which how you take out mr x is they drop a, a rocket launcher ada throws a rocket launcher at you mm-hmm. and uh also in re5 is how you take out west score in re5 someone drops an rpg i want to say in RE1, it has a moment like, no, maybe it's just two. 
In RE1, you have the moment where you have the countdown timer and have to run away and escape. That, okay, RE2 is when they throw the rocket. Ada drops the rocket launcher for you. But it's like a callback to multiple boss fights throughout the RE series. And you get what is what is with that pistol. What is that pistol? It's a pretty good pistol. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's like a powerful like rocket pistol or whatever. And you get to just empty it into Evelyn's face to get the, uh, the final destruction on all. I thought it was like a um, serum gun like to turn her is that what I thought sense. it was. That actually makes sense. Yeah, I think you you might be right. Because you shoot a- her and then she starts like crusting up like uh, Jack was. So I was like, oh, this gun is just filled with that serum. Also, that's how Mia dies. When you kill Mia, she crusts up and fades away. I didn't see that. Yeah, because you, you, you got the better <laughs> ending. Yeah. Um, when you finally destroy... Also, it's daytime. Yep. Because all of this took place in one night. Worst night of the dude's life. I actually love that in, in stories. I love stories that take place in... Like, this is a weird thing about me. You ever seen the movie The Warriors? I uh, I know of it. That's a movie okay. I need to see. We watch the Warriors because a part of me is like, if I watch the movie, won't that spoil the game? And then I want to play the game. I'm like, if I play the game, well, that's but it's a chicken and the egg thing. Watch the movie. What do I do first? The whole point of the Warrior. <laughs> I love things that are straightforward. Like we have to get from here to here, and this is what the story is. It's not set over multiple days. The Warriors is set between one night, a group of people trying to get from I think Brooklyn to Coney Island. And they have to pass through rival gang territory. Exactly. I, I, know, uh, I know the premise, and it sounds yeah. really cool. But Black Hawk Down is was based on a real event, but it's about that day. Uh, uh, the freaking Die Hard. Get to the top of the... It's all set in a single location. This is what happens in the story. It doesn't need to be a 10-day thing. You know, I love that it's a one night. This was a horrible freaking night for Ethan. <laughs> but um, then we get our Resident Evil character show up. Bunch of guys in gas masks. I called this ending last episode, and I was like, "That won't happen." Chris just shows up at the end and says, "Like, uh, like, glad you made it to the other end of this thing." I wish he did. And I, I, and I was like, "What? What was the line I said he would say?" Like, "Tell me everything that happened." Instead, <laughs> he's just like, "Hey, man, I got you. My name is Chris Red. I think he even says, "My name's Chris." My Redfield. name is Chris Redfield. He even says Redfield. Yeah, and. Uh, we'll get you. We'll get you out of here, or whatever. And I was like, "What the hell?" Like, as a Resident Evil fan, also Chris is off the steroids. Because Chris, last time we saw him in RE Five and Six, we're not going to talk about Six. Wasn't everyone super he was buff in Six? Fucking ju- not, not Leon. Leon's still kind of skinny, but like Chris Redfield is jacked. <laughs> in, in, like the more you talk about Six, the more I'm like, we need to play Six, dude. I, cause, okay, here's the thing. If people write in and they're like, y'all got to suffer, play six, we'll play six. I really want to play but six. But people have to, people have to, you, there's going to have to be a target. Somebody's going to need to write some reviews on the iTunes be like, y'all great, five-star <laughs> review, play RE6. Um, but like, Chris is jacked, man. Yeah. And he shows up here and he's like, I'm more jacked than Chris is. And I'm like, this is bullshit. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Chris, no, man. They kind of went for a more realistic, quote-unquote, art style for this. They had to tone it. It I made like me mad. Like, had to, we had to tone down everything after six. We kind of got to. Like, I get he can't punch a boulder anymore. But, like, I looked at Chris. I was like, Chris, what the heck? What happened, man? Did we stop curling? Man. That's, like, all you did before. But now, like, Chris went. What it is is Chris switched from bodybuilding to freaking crossfit and now he's doing like crossfit junk and he don't look as jack it's bullshit um but literally it's just that and then it cuts to 
in my ending, Ethan in a helicopter watching the video of Mia on his cell phone. Then he throws his iPhone out of the helicopter. <laughs> and and like talks about like if one door closes, another door opens. And like these guys are here to clean it up, talking about the new umbrella. That, that was in my but, ending like, too. But like here's the thing, like the Zoe ending is so shit. <laughs> because it's like Chris is an asshole. Even I'm not Chris. Uh Ethan. Because even when he's watching this last video, this last like happy moment his wife sent him, where she was telling her, telling him how much he loved her, or she loved him, he doesn't even take the video with him. He throws it out the fucking helicopter. What a jerk! Like what an asshole! Like I was sitting there thinking <laughs> about it afterwards. I was like, they don't. If you do the Zoe, interview, not even like a, I'm sorry, Mia, or like, anything like that. Yeah, like, it felt really weird. Like, okay, what's about your ending? Did Mia survive? Did, I mean, Mia was locked is, in the room. It's basically the same thing as yours, except uh, as he's, like, giving the monologue and they fly back, he, he turns over and Mia's there in, like, a shock blanket. God damn it! <laughs> Michael, I would never forgive you. You First of all, you broke the sanctity of the iTunes review. What do you mean? I had nothing and now, to do with this. And now you robbed me of the good ending in RE7. I asked you if that was a good plan. I was like, hey, I, no, do you no, want to play wait, different? No, no, it was a good plan. I'll give you credit, Michael. It was a good plan. Okay. But you also said I picked left. That was your, your description. <laughs> and I went, oh, so I picked right. And I was like, God oh, damn it. I did, I, right when I did it, I was mad, too. I went to bed that night mad. Because I, I didn't like, want to spoil what... Make me pick I didn't want to spoil what the twist was or what you knew was coming. I, I, I wanted to keep it vague so you were still kind of surprised when you got there. I, yeah. Okay, but I, that this is a better the, ending. Well, also, that's got to be the canonical ending. Because I watched a bunch of stuff about RE8. Is Mia in 8? No. Reference? Well, okay, maybe. Yes, because that was... Okay, this is not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. He talks to Chris in eight in a trailer in eight, and he says, "You killed my wife." Now, I was like, because I played the, I had finished RE seven at that point when I watched that trailer again. I assumed that he meant like Umbrella killed his wife during the events of RE seven because that's what happened in mine. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming Mia survives, and also RE eight is about him going to find his daughter can't have a daughter if you ain't got somebody to have a daughter with unless ethan's got unless he just never mentioned her less in my ending ethan just like goes off and marries somebody else in like two years and like never happened nothing ever happened in that freaking house (laughs) but like i'm assuming that your ending is the canonical one and him and mia eventually have a daughter i'm pretty sure usually the good ending is the canonical ending and things i got the achievement that said you got ending two i was like (laughs) fuck i was so mad i was like i didn't i didn't know it was a bad ending because he said you got ending one and i went oh no Eric's gonna be mad at me. So mad. I, I told my wife I finished the game last night, and I looked at my wife and said, "Michael's an asshole." <laughs> and she goes, "Why?" I goes, "Cause my ending sucked." <laughs> but I will say this: like I'm gonna watch your ending because your ending actually sounds like the, the ending I'm gonna go with. But um, let's put a bow on this real quick. This was a beautifully well-made video game. This is a really great game i like the first half more the second half kind of i think loses a lot of the tension and everything in the first half but it's For still sure. a very 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 good game it it had to lose some of the attention because i think you you eventually have to get to the point that you actually like take back the fight 
You know, it's like in like any movie where this isn't a Silent Hill game where you're just constantly beating. Yeah, <laughs> eventually you have to turn the tide, and this is the turning of the tide. This is Gandalf showing up at Helm's Deep. You know, it's you know, you have to turn the tide eventually, and that's what this is. But it's such a well-designed video game. I will not understand the Zoe Mia choice to this day. Um, yeah, that was weird. I would have hated as a player not knowing and just accidentally didn't play or. I don't know, overthinking it and picking Zoe because I really feel like now, like now that I know your ending exists, yeah. but and like that, I'm like that's the real ending. At that point, you can go back to an earlier save and then probably breeze through that section in an hour to get the endings because you know where everything is and can like that Mia section pretty long. That's a pretty long section. But, but if you know exactly what to do, then I'm yeah, sure you can I guess get to it. you could just and you could probably bypass. Like, there's several sections in there where, like, you don't actually need to go get all that stuff from all those rooms. So, like, you could probably bypass them. But this Or is... a lot of the fun of Resident Evil games, there's people who just constantly replay Resident Evils to, like, improve their time and everything. They like the scorecard at the end. I think uh, RE3 has an achievement in the remake for um, beating it in two hours. Like That sounds it... nuts. No, beating it in a hour i think what it's like beat the game in an hour that is nuts <laughs> which does there's, there's got to be a formula to it like because that's you gotta you know, like it's not a long min max or playthrough pretty much and also like both of the remakes have achievements for like only visit the supply box once or don't visit the supply box and stuff like that it's freaking nuts people love that stuff and if you're that kind of person man right on i love watching the playthroughs like that mm-hmm. um you don't get a ton of unlocks, uh, which is one of my favorite things about Resident Evil games. Like, when you beat them, you always get, like, here's a bunch of skins and crazy cool stuff that you can play the game now with, you know? Um, you get a gun. You just get a and gun. And Madhouse difficulty, to which I say, uh, that. no thank you. Fuck <laughs> that. Um, but this is a really good video game, man. It's one of the best video games I think we've played for this show so far. I agree with that. Like not, there's a bit we've played some great ones. Like, I wish I liked the second half as much as I liked the first half because right away when we do our end of the year rankings, I would be like, this might be number one if well, I if I liked it as much. But yeah. I, it's still a really great video game. There but, is man, I has me really looking forward to playing eight at some point. I'm I'm going to play. Eight. I'm not going to go straight into I, it. I want to go and play uh, two and three and kind of fill in the blanks of some of these series but in the end i know that if i go and play this series i'm gonna pick the weird entries like resident evil gaiden on the no, 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 game boy no. color no no i will say this the non-canonical sequel <laughs> i i 100 percent vouch for the two remakes uh re2 and re3 remakes. those look incredible they're, they're amazing video games um would you like to know my resident evil ranking let's do it let's rank uh, some resident evil number three is the re2 remake okay number two Surprise, surprise, it's actually RE7. And then number one, still RE4. Fuck no, y'all. Nothing, <laughs> nothing was Hot Resident Evil 4. Fuck y'all. Y'all ain't gonna beat RE4, guys. I never heard you consider VR until they were like, guys are remaking RE4 in VR. I, I sat there and I was like, now's the time. Because, dude, man. Re- how much uh, is an Oculus Quest? <laughs> just to play RE4. I love, I love that video game, guys. I love RE4 so much. It's a great game. We'll um, play that at some point. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Dude. That's um, how hilarious it would be if we ended up playing six before four. I would you be would so not fucking let that. mad. <laughs> Guys, 
Y'all better do some reviews if you want an RE6 for the show. Um, Please, I kind of want to know what that game is, and then I'll hate myself for it and be like, why do I want this? <laughs> Watch that be the thing that makes everybody go review. Like, let's torture them. Um, I played some of the Chris DLC. I played a little bit, never didn't finish it. Um, it the Chris DLC is you hunting down Lucas. It follows the immediate events of the game, and it's apparently about like two hours or an hour. Um, it's actually very freaking good. I played a lot of it. I played all the way up to the branching, the breaking, uh, eh, the branching, eh. the branching paths. That thing. It's I, very late. I got to the second portion of it where i got the night vision goggles yeah and then i stopped and was like all right cool it's very cool um i'm gonna probably finish it there was a ton of dlc for this video game end of zoe i think was end of one. zoe which i'm assuming from the description is actually maybe explains what the hell happened to zoe in this game and um, um uh the band footage which i heard was terrifying apparently the band footage i, I watched um a little like trailer for it the band footage if you want more of the first half of this game when we were all so scared that we were questioning our decisions mm-hmm. you play the band footage if you want more of the second half which is the action focus that's the chris story and then i think the zoe one is like um kind of a mixture if you want the story yeah. more than yeah. it's um d- but the chris one explains more of the umbrella stuff because you can look through his inventory and it explains like this is what happened with Umbrella between 6 and 7. They wanted to right the wrongs that they made in the past, so they became a private military corporation, but still kept the name? And just changed what? the color to blue. Um, like a royal blue purplish yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know I was I like, this, who's their PR guy? Because, hey, I joked about before, hey, uh, you're going to keep the name and switch to a PMC, and then everything's going to be right with the world again. But this is like a hyper-militaristic... Zombies happen, so I imagine that, hey, we can trust these PMCs. They kind of come in and help with the zombies. They fight zombies, so I guess they're cool. Um, Chris also looks a lot different in the 8 trailer. He looks more badass than this. I thought he was going to look like a badass. I'm still really disappointed that he's not as badass as he looks in the 8 trailer. In the 8 trailer, he's got like a buzz cut. In here, he's got like slightly longer hair than I do. And uh, I'm just not a fan of this Chris look. But I do like the fact that he... I'm going to probably beat his DLC just because I like... I actually, I actually... I make fun of Chris a lot because he's not Leon, but... Very few people are Leon, okay? What happens if Leon shows up in oh, 8? Oh, man. <laughs> Think about it. Like, what happens if Leon is Chris for 8? So at the end of 8, like, you're, you're escaping Vampire Lady or whatever, and then all of a sudden a guy with a gas mask shows up around the corner and takes it off, and he goes, my name is Leon Kennedy, and I'm here to get you out of here. Where's everyone going? Oh, Bingo. Wow. Dude, what happens if... Okay, did Ada die? I don't know. Because I don't fucking remember what I happened in 6. I don't know. <laughs> I think Ada might be dead. Jill had superpowers in Is, 5. Shit, okay, dude, you want to sit down one day and we'll talk about the RE franchise? Because after 4... Remember how I love 4? I kind of want to... I don't want to talk about these. I kind of want to play these. Because the more you tell me how ridiculous they are, I'm like, I know these are going to be bad... But these sound bad in the way that I can appreciate. Eric sucks his Eric's freaking top three weird Resident Evil shit. Okay, in five. Jill gets superpowers. Okay. In six, um, 
Wesker's sons, like a super jack, also has superpowers. God, does it become like General Arms or Senator Armstrong at the end of Metal Gear Rising? Just... Sort of. Okay, because now I'm um, really I might download this game. <laughs> also, and then finally, there was this character named Shiva in Five. Does she you, have four arms and a strong world? No, she's like um, she's like Chris's like partner in Five. She's the co-op character. And uh, oh yeah, her okay. Yeah, she okay. disappears from the franchise after five. What? I don't think she's in six at all. Maybe maybe she'll come back. That'd be a cool uh, person. No to bring man, back. if you brought her back instead of freaking Leon, I'd be so mad. Or both. You can have them come. Both we come have back. Claire. We have well. What's gonna happen with that Resident Evil Reverse uh, multiplayer mode? Because that's like a PvP thing. That reminds me of like the Mercenaries mode. Gotcha. For like uh, the Resident Evil franchise, which uh, Five had a really really good one. Eight's gonna have one. I saw yeah, that the, yeah. the trailer for it, and um, that looks fun. But right. yeah, there is that Resident Evil versus game where like you can play as Jack inside the police station. Did you see this? I there was a beta for it, and I tried to download it, and then it was like, oh, you missed your time window because uh, oh, this shit's <laughs> so terrible. Why is it timed? Like why? Wait, well, I don't know. But I don't know, man. So, but yeah, Resident Evil Seven, really good video game, and I really want to play more Resident Evils after this. I, not uh, immediately though. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I need, a, I need a break. I'm not immediately gonna do it either. But it's hard for me to. I talked about this a little bit with Spider Man earlier in this episode, uh, tying it back to the beginning. But uh, it's hard for me to like when I finish a game of a certain type to go right back into the same type of game. Like, I just, like, let me play something completely different. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of don't want to get super into it. Um, this was a good video game. Really good video game. I agree. This was... I'm glad we played this. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, let's let's go ahead and let's just say that we're going to talk about our next game. All How does right. that sound? That sounds really nice. Let's, let's play something not scary. Not so scary <laughs> that I know of. Something completely different, completely different vibe, completely different gameplay style. What do you say we play an indie game from the Xbox Live Arcade days? Back in the days when they do like Summer of Arcade, the Summer and you of could Arcade, get, like, Super Meat Boy, and uh, what's some other Summer Arcade games? Uh... I have one for you. Uh, how about a game that was developed? These these guys, uh, Super Giant Games, was the very, creator of Hades. The creator of Hades. Then let's go back to uh, their first game that put them on the map of the indie scene. A little game called Bastion. Bastion is a game I've always wanted to play. Same. It's like we have an excuse for that stuff now. It's like all of a sudden we have a show that lets us play video games we've always wanted to play. I am very excited about Bastion. Um, we'll, uh, we're going to do this as a one shot. We're gonna, I'm, I'm, I think we're both playing now on the Switch. Uh, Bastion, man. Tell me about Bastion. I know it's a Supergiant game. Bastion is an isometric action RPG developed by Supergiant Games. And Supergiant was formed by Amir Rao and Gavin Simon, who were both former employees of EA in 2009. And they picked up Greg Kasavin, who was the former site editor at GameStop, to join the studio to direct their games. 
Also, this game had a fascinating thing if you were like a giant bomb fan. I, at the time. I, I have that in my notes because yeah, like yeah. they really followed this game all the way through because those guys were all friends of theirs. Building Bastion, building the Bastion was what that series was yeah, called. Yeah, it was a good series. It was a very good series. Only kind of giant bomb standout series in my mind. This game was made by with a team of seven split between a San Jose office for development and a New York office for music and voice acting. Even some of the people in San Jose didn't even meet the voice actor for the narrator narrator until the game shipped. Wow. Like, they didn't even... There was just that level of communication. It's like communication nowadays. Yeah, it's like <laughs> everything was through, you know... Like, yeah. Zoom conversations or, like, Google Hangouts and stuff. To- what, a, what a cool kind of story, too, of that developer to go from being, what, like a three-man team to now being a game that's put out, what, five, four games? Four games, and one of which was uh, split, shared game of the year contention with uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Like, yeah, I mean, Hades, both of those I mean, games swept awards. If you, this past like, year. I talk about Giant Bomb because really it's the only video game site that I like truly follow real closely. Um, but like, I don't think there was hardly anybody on their top ten list. Like, they do so many of like people's top tens. I think almost everybody had Hades on there. I think everyone did at least a certain level. Yeah, I mean this past game I, of the year. I'd be honest with you, it, was, it would. I think I didn't play it till January. Mm-hmm. If I did play it, it was very, very late into December. Actually, I think it was late in December when I played it. But uh, it definitely would be on my list. It was a damn good video game last year. That's a game I really want to check out. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I could play a lot of their. Or I kind of want to check out some of their earlier stuff because I'm not really big into roguelikes. So. It, I know, yeah. I know. From everyone I hear say, "Oh, this is a roguelike to play if you don't like roguelites," but I, I kind of liked Into the Breach. That was a I really would, good one. I but. would throw Dead Cells out there. Like I like Hades a lot, but I would say Dead Cells would probably be like if you if you're not like a rogues like roguelike guy, but like hey, you wanted to try one, I would do Dead Cells. Gotcha. Uh, artist Jin Lee created the art style for this game to kind of showcase beauty in an apocalyptic world is the kind of aesthetic she was going for. And the narrator was created early in development to convey uh, textual information to the player without the need to drown player in expositional text because they didn't want to do like a full cast of voice actors. And the other solution to that was like you need to have a lot of text. And they're like, that doesn't work too. So they're like, they came up with a solution that was like, let's have a narrator to kind of give this game its style and to convey a lot of information to the player in the world itself. That's a good point. We're going to be playing this. You can't be playing this with no headphones on, boys and girls. Hmm. Grab your headphones because it's going to be, uh, sound's going to play a big role in this. And we already mentioned this. Kasavin teamed up with the former co- his former co-workers now at gaming website Giant Bomb to chronicle the game's development in a web series titled Building the Bastion. And then Warner Brothers signed on as a distributor after the game received buzz at the 2011 GDC conference. Um... Funny, fun fact about Bastion because I followed it through the building the Bastion stuff, and he was also a guest on the Bombcast a couple of times. Um, it was interesting when that game finally came out because they're like, "Can we review this video game that we've been following for the past?" <laughs> but it's uh, like, and also one of our coworkers that worked on too. So it was a, a funny conversation on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, this is gonna be so fun. Bastion is arguably just as famous for its soundtrack composed by Darren Korb, a composer for known for at the time for his small-scale TV and film work. And he wanted to make a soundtrack that combined fantasy with like 
a fantasy soundtrack with like the classic American frontier. And uh, this game was released as part of the Xbox Live Summer of Arcade in 2011 in July. And the game sold 200,000 copies on the 360 in six months. That sounds relatively small, but you gotta remember, the indie space was a lot different back then. And the game made on a relatively small budget, 200,000 copies on one platform in a six-month span is great for an indie title. You have to remember that this is like before the dawn of like mainstream indie games, I guess is a good way of putting it. Or like... Like, Summer of Arcade was not just indie games. It was also, like, I think Battlefield 1943 came out doing Summer of Arcade. Like, Xbox just... Live Arcade was a weird... It wasn't just an indie space. They had a separate section on their store for indie games, and those were, like, $1, like, Flash games almost. Yeah, they were not very good. But, like... yeah, that, Okay, you want to talk about some weird stuff. Yeah, You would like... always buy them when you had, like, 80 Microsoft points yeah, left, and you go yeah. in there and say, like, what can I get for this? And then you play, I made a game with zombies in it. <laughs> but, like, but like, okay, I will say this, though. There was always these, like, weird little gems in there. I kind of, like, it still sort of exists on the Switch store and on the Xbox store and stuff. But, like, th- back in the days when arcade was a completely separate thing, there was always these weird little gems that you would hear about. Like, hey, man, this, like, weird, like, I made a game with zombies in it and stuff. It was like, these were actually kind of fun. Like, it's a dollar. Go play it. But when some of arcade came around is when like say what you want about microsoft but for me they helped push indie games to the forefront because like super meat boy was a big thing you should check I remember out when super meat boy came out and it was like which also has a great documentary you should it. indie game the movie yeah indie great game documentary great documentary watch indie game the movie all those games have been out for a long time now Fe- fez especially fez like, is yeah uh, filthish a uh, uh tragic and uh just a what what, what, what a what a what a story like i don't know what to say about phil fish at this point like but, but man like, okay it reminded me so much of like indie comics at a certain time like where these guys were on the forefront of this thing like i play a sh- freaking ton of indie games now and it's because thanks to microsoft and sony and these guys starting to actually like promote these games back in the playstation 3 xbox 360 time like now it just makes more sense for us to play a game like Bastion or something where we wouldn't have probably done that if we were doing this show back in those days. You mm-hmm. know? But like you see those guys doing like the indie game, the movie, and you're like you're they're on the forefront of this like exploding indie game scene, and it's fascinating to see where they went. It's a really that's a good movie. Watch that documentary. The soundtrack in the same time frame that Bastion sold 200,000 copies on the 360 sold 30,000 copies of the soundtrack. So that is pretty about good. One, 1 in 10 people said, I want to buy this soundtrack. That's pretty good. I feel like the only other game like relatively close to that would be like Doom. Because you listen to that Doom soundtrack, that Doom soundtrack is freaking baller, man. I, I'm still listening to, to Doom 2016 soundtrack. I looked at the Near Automata soundtrack for a long time and was like, there is like four CDs worth of music here because each song has like five different versions yeah. of it. So that is, uh, I was like, uh, oh, that's pretty pricey. <laughs> okay. Um, the game won, was critically acclaimed, winning Best Xbox Live Arcade Game of 2011 IGN RPG game of the year at RPG Gamer. It won best score, best song, and best downloadable game at the Spike Game Awards. You know, the pinnacle of uh of uh journalism, the Spike Game Awards. And uh it won uh 
best score. Oh, sorry. It won best music and best debut at Giant Bombs Game of the Year 2011 awards. And then in August 2011, it was released on Steam. And the game was later ported to everything. iOS, the Google Chrome browser, Mac, PS4, Vita, Xbox One, and in 2018, uh, where all indie games eventually land, the Nintendo Switch. So you have no excuse not to play along. By 2015, Bastion had sold 3 million copies. Supergiant would then go on to make Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. Pyre is a game that as soon as I got my PlayStation, I put on my um, wish list, and I've been... Because, like, the lowest it's been is, like, four bucks. It's sitting at 20. I'm like, I'm just waiting. As soon as that goes down, I'm going to grab it. Because it's, like, a fantasy basketball game. And I'm like, this sounds like my stuff. This sounds awesome. We talked about sports games. I'm like, give me a sports game that's weird and crazy. I'm like, that's it. That's the one. We're going to have to wait for it. There's going to be a ball. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm very excited. Like, this is a game that I think is going to benefit from our binging of it. Yeah. So, we're going to be playing this as a one-shot. Uh, I think it's around six hours. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. We're also... Uh, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a great show. Uh, some people have asked if Nick will be joining us again. Nick's having to step away for a little bit. He's got some personal stuff. Nothing crazy. He's definitely going to be back, guys. I mean, I appreciate... I, we miss him, too. We're holding he, Metal Gear Solid for yes. him. Yes. I got that waiting for... That might be why he left. <laughs> like, he might be saying, yeah, I got some stuff going on, but I'm just holding a copy of Metal Gear Solid. We go, what do you mean? I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think Nick's triumphant return will probably be Metal Gear Solid. Yes, absolutely. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, another great show, guys. We really appreciate all the support we've been getting. Get on there, man. Don't let this review travesty to happen, okay? We got to fight back. Um, but once again, thank you guys for listening. State of the save at gmail.com. State of the save at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Michael, say goodbye, Michael. Goodbye, Michael. Hey, that was I, a great I, joke. I had to sell Nick's joke since. Yeah, <laughs> because we, uh, it's in honor, in honor. The in Nick honor. Award for joke at the end of the show. See y'all. Stay safe.